Today on Locked On Canadians, let's look ahead to the 2024 NHL Draft. You are Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to episode 893. We thank you for making us your first listen of the day every day, wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on YouTube. My name is Laura Saba, also known as The Active Stick, and I'm not joined, as always, by my wonderful co-host, Scott Matla of Hab Size on the Prize, because this is a special week, and we've had prospect episodes for our first two episodes this week. And this third episode, our Friday mailbag is no different I was joined by Habby Kalakesh and Sebastian High of Dauber Prospects, as well as Locked On NHL Prospects, and we discussed so many things, and on today's episode, I'm basically just asking the mailback questions from all of you, and I want to say thank you to all of you who uh, sent in questions, because there were so many that we didn't even get to all of them, but don't worry, we will have more prospect people on over the course of the summer, so all of your questions will get answered. So I just want to really quickly remind everybody where they can find Hattie and Sebastian. So Sebastian is uh, the director of European scouting as well as the head scout for Dauber Prospects. And Hattie is a director of North American scouting for Dauber Prospects. They can be found on Twitter at uh, uh, hi underscore Sebastian for Sebastian and uh, Hattie K underscore scouting for Hattie. Hattie's work can also be found at Habs Eyes on the Prize. Before we get into the segment, I do want to address one mailbag question from listener Blake. It's not that we didn't get to it. It's just that I wanted to ensure that I waited until it was time to record the Friday episode uh, before I answered the question or before we answered the question because we wanted to make sure it was timely. So the question is from Blake and the question is prospect question. Canadians and London Knights fan here. Do you think Bettman is going to make it difficult for Logan Mayu to play in the NHL? So this question is pretty timely in that there have been discussions since before the Stanley Cup final ended. Logan Mayu would be meeting with Gary Bettman as soon as the um, as soon as the Stanley Cup playoffs were over. Uh, and this reporting did come from reputable reporters and sources in Montreal connected to the organization. Uh, but at this point, we are almost in August and that has not yet happened. Uh, but I don't think, and this is again, this is a guess. I'm not tuned in. I'm not dialed in. I don't think that the reinstatement is going to be delayed. And the reason that I don't think that is that at the time when the Montreal Canadiens pledged to have Logan Mayu go through courses and therapy and uh, whatever other initiatives that they had or that they had set out for him, that they had assigned him. I think assigned him is, is a good word. I don't think that the organization would have come up with this plan without having some idea that the NHL would be okay with this plan or would approve this plan or would be okay moving forward this, with this plan. I'm fairly certain there would have been consultations because why would you set out that particular list of things for him to do if you didn't think that at the end of the day it was going to allow him to be reinstated 
uh, in the NHL. So I think like, you know, the organization at the time, I know this is a different front office, but I do think the organization at the time when they came up with this plan um, and this idea, I think that that's really what the end goal would have been. It's not just for the rehabilitation of the player, but it's also for the reinstatement of the player. Uh, and then I think with the new front office, giving him or assigning him more work to do, more ways to work on himself, more things like that. None of those things would have been chosen if they didn't think that it would benefit both the player and the organization, just simply because it's the organization that came up with the list. So I personally, and this is, again, a guess, I don't have an inside track. I do think that he will get reinstated this year. Um, however, I don't think that the Habs are going to call him. And I went on the record and I said this on Habs Unfiltered as well uh, a couple of days ago. I don't think the Habs are necessarily going to call him up unless it was an emergency, unless it is an emergency, because I feel like there is symbolism in reinstating him, but there's also symbolism in not calling him up, which I don't think is the end of the world. I do think their plan is to play him in the AHL, and he's not suspended from the AHL. He's suspended from the NHL, so there would be a possibility for him to play. That is my understanding. Somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is he will be able to play in the AHL no matter what. It's just if the Habs ever wanted to call him up, even on an emergency basis, Gary Bettman obviously has to reinstate him or his reinstate his right to play uh, in the NHL. So I do think that there's like, you know, there's a lot of optics involved. And I do think that he will be playing in the AHL. And I think that that's what's necessary for him, given how uh, how uneven his development plan was, both due to the suspension as well as due to his injury. Um, and then, you know, you're coming in and you're seeing or he's coming in and you're seeing that he has developed, he has taken steps forward, but now you need to see him against better competition to know uh, if his decision making really has improved. Like, I think there's no question about about the skills that he's displayed in, in his last year uh, playing, which was in the OHL. Uh, I just I think that um, the AHL is probably the best place for the Canadians to be able to assess truly what he can do i think the ahl competition is necessary he needs to be a little bit more physical and he needs to play a faster game amongst professionals i think that's what they want to do with him uh i just i don't know what's going to happen but my guess is that he does get reinstated and i do also think that um absolutely going to be a situation where the canadians will just avoid calling him up just mostly for the optics but also because there's you know there's other players that they need to play right now they've got they've got a logjam basically uh at all their positions but at the same time they don't have the players that they want playing in those positions at this time right like they want to play the young guys they don't want to be playing these veterans that are albatross contracts so i i think it's going to be interesting to watch what they do but to answer your question blake i don't think that the NHL is going to keep him suspended for too much longer. And they might come out and say, no, you know what? He needs another year of growth, uh, which I think the Canadians will not necessarily object to. It's a lot more about optics than it is about him. I think for him, like for the rest of his life, he's going to have to keep demonstrating that he's learned and that he has changed. And I think that that's going to be the case no matter what, whether he's really changed or whether he hasn't, I think that's going to be the case. So for me, I do, I do think he's going to get reinstated. I just think that the Canadians aren't going to be in a super big rush to call him up and giving him an opportunity. They're not going to give him his cup of coffee earlier than he's like, he's earned it. You know what I mean? Like, so they need to see something or he needs to display something outwardly 
um, in order for him to like earn his even his first chance, like even his cup of coffee. That's just my opinion. You could disagree. Um, I just that that's how I feel like that this is going to play out. I think there's still time for him to develop on the ice as well. Even if you remove all that off ice stuff, there's still time for him to develop. He still needs time to develop on the ice. But I do want to turn the conversation back uh, to my chat with Hadi and Sebastian. It was fantastic. And I, you know, I think the first thing we talked about was who to get excited about in 2024. But there's so much meat in this episode. Like there was so much that I hope you check out the previous two episodes as well. We talked about the Habs defenseman. We talked about Philip Meshar. We talked about what happened to Jan Meshak. There's just, there's what are the needs of the Habs scouting department? There's so much in those two episodes. So please go back and listen to episode 891, 892. They are the Tuesday and Wednesday episodes of this week. Definitely check them out. I, I learned so much from the wonderful co-hosts of locked on NHL prospects and I hope you do too. We're going to move on to that chat in just one moment. But first, I want to tell you about AG1. AG1 is one of our partners and it is the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. I drink AG1 literally every day because I was so tired of trying to figure out what supplements to take, what pills, what vitamins, all of that. I drink AG1 every single day before I tackle my workday, and it makes me feel strong mentally and physically. It gives me just it gives me that 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 feeling that I can do anything. AG1 replaces your multivitamin, probiotic, and more in just one simple, drinkable daily habit. It helps you build your health foundation first, and it supports your immunity. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 now and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. All you got to do is go to drinkag1.com slash NHL network. That's drinkag1.com slash NHL network. Check it out. There are a couple questions about 2024, but before we get to that, some current questions or existing prospect questions. How about that? Um, do you guys think that this comes from Tyler on YouTube? Do you guys think that a third line of Joshua Waugh, Owen Beck, and Philip Mayshar could possibly be one of the best third lines in the future? Do we think that all three players are going to be in the organization in like let's say two three years from now? I two, think if years? I think if, if if two of them become third liners, you do you're doing pretty well. Yeah. I think hoping that all three are hitting that that upside, uh, you're you're hoping for some luck, mm-hmm. um, especially with the amount of depth the Habs have. Right, like you have guys like Sean Farrell and Yessi Alonen, and uh, I mean they they <laughs> they have so many players that make pretty seamless like bottom six fits but they have like nine or ten of them right so yeah. eventually like some i think like I, I think that in the next year the Habs are going to have to move one or two of those players in order to maximize on their value just because mm-hmm. the longer they hold on the more clear it's going to become okay these are the guys that are going to get the shots in the organization and these guys are going to get like kind of the the scraps in in minutes behind them yeah. uh but I don't know if they'd be an elite third line, but I think they'd be a good one if they all turned out. I think, um, I think stylistically they work quite well together. Um, yeah. 
Also, Emil Heineman, who scored what, like nine goals in eleven AHL games. So many players, right? And and this yep. is kind of the problem. And uh, but that said, look, I think Owen Beck is a high likelihood three C. I think he's the safest of the bunch to he's a to, lock to, for me. Yeah, he's he, a lock. He, he he's yeah. going to be an excellent three C for a really long time, in my view. I think, as we said, Philip Mayshar, if he has a bounce back season this year, very very possible. Um, and was Riley Kidney the last one? Just oh, Joshua Wah. Oh, Which Joshua I think, like, This upcoming year is the make or break year for him, right? Like, this I is mean, when we know if he's going to stay or not. Yeah, I, I think like, Joshua was probably the one player that I would have like been, I would have considered trading at the draft for a first round draft pick because I think his value is at an all time high. I mean, Connor Bedard went on like a rant saying how much he adored playing with him at the World Junior Championship. Yeah. Like, this is a re- he's a very easy player to play with. He's super intelligent. Uh, he's really become a dual threat offensively in terms of shooting and playmaking. He's really fun. And I think he's also a high likelihood bottom six player. Uh, it's just the has to have a lot of high likelihood bottom six players. So uh, he, he's one I would have considered moving just because there's a bit of a log jam. And I think he has the highest value of the bunch. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think, I think they'd work well as a line. I think Riley Kidney would also work quite nicely in that mix if we're going a bit more skill and a bit less defense and grit. Uh, but yeah, lots of names. Um, yeah, no, for sure. For, for me, I, I just want to add on Joshua. Wad. Like I, I've probably watched the Sherbrooke Phoenix more than any other team, perhaps maybe with the NTDP and the Chicago steel, probably the few organizations I've watched the most. Joshua, Hua, you, you never get the same player twice in Joshua. Hua. He plays a different game every game. And it's just really fantastic what he's able to do, um, how he's able to produce, and the versatility that he brings to the game. I feel like he's pretty much the perfect three, third line winger, uh, in my opinion, because you can just put him with any line and he'll just mold his game to what they need. And the versatility, the intelligence in this game has come a long way. He's not the best skater by any means, um, but. He's going to bring a lot of intensity, a lot of energy, a lot of value on board battles. There's just so many areas of the game that he influences that for me, of the three, I feel like Hua has slightly more chances of being a complimentary player on a top line. Uh, I but, agree. Yeah, but yeah. I feel like the 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 kind of average for him will probably be a third line winger, and that's perfectly fine for where he drafted him. It's just great value. Um, I, I feel like a, a line of Hua, Beck, and Meshar would be fantastic. I don't think it's going to happen, and it's not, especially not going to be a static thing. And and the Habs still have so many big contracts that 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 are there. Like Josh Anderson and Brendan Gallagher are going to have to play minutes, and they're not going to be on the fourth line, yeah. uh, at least in the in the short and medium term. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, there there's there's a lot of bodies, both both young and old, uh, that I I think it's not overly likely that that becomes the third line just because so much would have to go right for that to be the line, but they all have like each individual player has a, has totally the the upside to be a very, very good third line player. Uh, So I want to, if you asked a prospect question, I didn't ask it today. Don't worry. We have lots of scouting guests. So if you, if your question did not get answered yet, it will come in the coming weeks, but I do want to look ahead to 2024 before I let the lovely and talented Sebastian and Hattie go. Uh, Randy asks, which junior league has the cream of the crop for the next couple of drafts and which prospect in the 2024 draft, are you most excited about? Oh, Demidov, right? Ivan, yeah, <laughs> I don't think there's any doubt. Ivan, Ivan Demidov is making a very good push for the for, for the first overall pick, which he, is he's at one on my board very tentatively right now. He's just he's too much fun. Okay, he's let's just... let's talk about Ivan Demidov. <laughs> Who is Ivan Demidov, and why should we be paying attention? 
All right. He, yeah, he's a Go. he's a better player overall than than Matvey Mishkov. In my opinion. at the same age, but yeah, but 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 Mishkov took such massive steps after his move to Sochi. We're gonna have to see if Demidov keeps on the same trajectory, being ahead of him. Yeah, uh, but right so, now it's, it's but no doubt as a D minus one, it is very very clear to me that Demidov is a, is a better player, like better in terms of I think he's more dynamic. I think he is a lot more projectable, and I think that he's. Uh, more fun somehow yeah. than Mitchkov, which, which is, is astounding. Yeah, uh, shouldn't be the case, but it is. Uh, Demidov is an electrifying winger. Uh, he brings some impressive intensity and defensive intelligence to the, to the mix as well. Yeah. He's constantly moving. He never stops moving, uh, which Mitchkov does a lot off puck, um, especially defensively. Uh, he's a capable pickpocket on the back check. Uh, and but with the puck, it is lights out. Uh, he insane. is elite in transition. Um, I I don't know if I've seen a single D minus one player with better handling skill ever. Yeah, than Demidov. It's insanity. It's insanity. Uh, and he has no I, business being as good defensively as he is. He no, just like it, it, it's it's like the handling skill is off the charts. Like I I I did a game report where, and I have like a little grading scale for tools. I gave him a ten for handling, and I like. 10 was literally reserved last season for Bedard's shot. That was like the only 10 grade I gave all year. And here's like my second viewing of the season officially that I'm logging and I'm already giving it 10. And I'm like, okay, uh, he's, he's very fun. And look, he's not as good of a shooter as Mitchkov is, but he's really, really good. He's probably a better playmaker than Mitchkov is by a smidgen. Uh, though I do think that Mitchkov's playmaking is underrated. Uh, he is also very, very intelligent. He's constantly using lateral motion. He he is he skates a little bit like Antonio Stranges. So I'm not sure if you've seen highlights of Stranges uh, skating. He's a Dallas Stars prospect who isn't like a slam dunk NHLer, but the skating is off the charts electrifying. And like you see highlights on TSN of him oh, yeah. playing in the OHL and skating with his mohawk turns and stuff. Demidov does a similar thing, but more small area game rather than like like, like Stranders would do it like big like, like loop back around the net and then doing his mohawks to kind of build speed going up into transition. Mm-hmm. Demidov does it in small areas and it makes him unbelievably adaptable. If he like pressure from any like two or three directions, he can probably weave through it because he can move in any direction at any time, and he has yeah. the hands to match the feet, and he has the brain to match it all. It's really impressive. Um, he is, he is, he's the one, he's the one player, uh, from the 2024 draft class that I think if we were to do like a combined 2023, 2024 ranking, he's the only, as of right now, he's the only player that in my mind could be like ahead of Fantilli in terms of ranking. I think like much as I adore Maxim Celebrini, I I don't know if he's going to edge out Fantilli in terms of that head to head comparison, but, uh, Demidov is wild and he's, uh, he embodies excitement, and I mean, I think considering that we both got giddy when when, when we mentioned his name, uh, yeah, he's fun. Oh, yeah. I can just I can tell from the way you guys are like lighting up when you're talking it's about so good. it. It's so fun. <laughs> he's just insane. He's he's so good. Just so good. He's, just he, he's been out. a treat to watch this year. I mean, it's just I I I see Ivan Demonov, and I see a guy who has no business being as good defensively as he, as he is because of how good offensively he is. He it's, shouldn't be facing it's shocking. Areas. The defensive team is. Like, look, the defensive game isn't elite. 
it's just it's above average and it should be awful for this style of player for this style of guy you just would expect him to be that kind of mishkov of just like no effort defensively and like not getting back on time uh pinching uh cheating he does none of that he's just he's a first he's a first to come back and give that effort level on the back check as a winger and it's just it's so impressive to see but what's really impressive to me is even if he didn't have the hands or the playmaking ability or the goal scoring ability that he has, he has a foundation of intensity of defensive tools of the only thing that's really missing in this game is a physical game. I think he's yeah. a very much below average physical player for sure. Um, and that might come with time. He's 16. So it's just, it, it, it come, it could develop with time and you can get just a fully well-rounded offensive winger who can do everything and has elite hands. So it's just, yeah, he's been great to watch. I have more with Sebastian and Hattie and our wonderful conversation in just one moment here on Locked On Canadians. It's honestly like I love I love listening to this. So I only have a couple more questions for you guys, but I want to like circle back to what Randy asked. Which junior mm-hmm. league has the cream of the cop crop oh, for yeah. the next couple of drafts? So Scott and I were talking about this in our Friday mailbag, and he said the US NTDP has really been turning out. Uh, some top talent, but if you like, if you like, look at the averages. Like, where do you think the the most talent from the next couple of drafts is going to come from? Mm. I, I still think it's the WHL. I think the WHL yeah. is really, in the last like three four years, taken some really massive leaps. Where I think it's quite clearly the strongest junior league in Canada, both in terms yeah. of quality and in terms of the players that it, it exports. Uh, and while I don't think 2024 or 2025 are going to be quite as strong as 2023 for the WHL, I still do think it's going to be the strongest of the junior league in terms of exports. Uh, 2023 has a ton of player players from the USHL, from the USHL. So if we're combining NTDP and USHL, I think that's a big one. Um, so the, the US is definitely starting to produce a lot more players. Uh, weirdly, a powerhouse of the 2023 draft class is Norway. Uh, yeah. Not leagues, but nationality. We've got like two potential first round Norwegians this year. I do want to talk about Michael Brands. I know. Newark, I, I figured. Uh, I figured you would. I wanted to kind of give you that. Opportunity. Yeah. Thank, thank you for for setting me up. That that was a perfect alley oop. Um, but yeah, no. It's just Michael Brandsack Newgard is um, just a fantastic, fantastic puck protector. He's a big guy, but doesn't really exclusively rely on his strength or his size, which is exactly what I'm looking for in big guys. I want big guys who are able to place that, that finesse style, who are able to cut inside to make small area p- plays, and he's certainly able to do that. He's a refined playmaker. His work rate is high. Um, and, you know, other than Matt Zuccarello, can you name me an NHLer who's from, who's, who played and developed in Norway? Uh, I don't think so, but he's uh, he's been <laughs> playing last year in um, the Alsvenskan, the Swedish second division. There's talks of him maybe transferring to an SHL team this year, but I'd be very surprised. Um, That'd be a big step. It would be a major step, but I feel like he's got the frame, he's got the skill, he's got the ability, and he's also a decent skater. So it's just there's a lot to love in this game. I've seen him in kind of preemptive 15 to 20 ranges. I would put him straight up in my top 15. Um, but again, it's very, very, very early. Uh, we'll likely both be putting out rankings in September, October, that kind of thing. Give me until like November. I, I, yeah. I always wait longer just because <laughs> I see my rankings develop from like September to November. And yeah. if I made my like September rankings public, I would regret it in the in the future. Yeah, so it would be pretty rough. I, I I take my time with rankings and making them public, for sure. And I have my final question for you guys, and this comes from Tyler on YouTube. 
Some people are saying that because the 2024 draft is so stacked with defenders, some really good forwards can slip. If Montreal finishes with the 11th overall pick, do you guys think that Berkeley Catton, Igor Chernishov, would be amazing gets for the Habs? Um, so, yeah, like the, the the other question I already asked, it was about the uh, the Joshua Ra, Owen Beck, Philip Nashard line. So, thoughts. I do think that it's not unreasonable to expect the Canadians to finish with the 11th overall pick. I don't necessarily think that they're going to have another top 10 pick this year, just simply because they cannot possibly have a third year with that many injuries. Um, and, you know... You're don't expecting... put it past them. Yeah. <laughs> and I also, I haven't seen the Habs really improve much in this offseason. Like... Yeah. Right. Unless, unless like more moves ever come, which NHL players have they added? Well, Alex this is Newhook? the thing: is that I, like for me, like in my mind, is that what's going to happen is some of these veteran players are going to get injured and go on the IR for sure. Uh, like Brendan Gallagher, for example. Uh, okay. And you know, some guys are going to get opportunities. I also do think that rather than trading some of these veterans, like I do think that it's possible that a prospect or two gets traded. Uh, sure. When I say prospect, I'm talking about like somebody like a you know, yes, Elon and get packet gets packaged with somebody to send them off, yeah. something like that. So I do think they're going to be opening up some space for some of these younger yeah, guys. I but I also, I, I just, I think that it's like it's impossible for them to be that bad, mm-hmm. uh, just in terms of the injury, the man games lost to injury. But I do think that they're also not going to be good. So I do think that, like, I don't think it's unreasonable to think that they're going to be picking at eleven. But also, I wouldn't be surprised if they pick at seven, eight, or five again. Yeah, seven's yeah. kind of my expectation at this point, I think. Yeah, and I think I feel like if it is 11 and Berkeley Catton's available, you're jumping to the stage for sure. Igor Chernyshov, I've got sort of my reservations. I, 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 I've seen the Jason Robertson comparisons. I don't necessarily see that level of intelligence and anticipation and awareness. For me, what, you know, Chernyshov is a fantastic kind of a small area player. He's able to get out of pressure. He's able to use his edge work extremely well. He's got a long reach um, and he's got great finishing abilities, uh, a really decent kind of power forward style, but with some finesse, which I would definitely consider in the 10 to 20 range. I feel like at 11, especially if we're talking about guys like Cole Hudson and Cole and Hudson was and, my guy oh, there. Yeah. Yeah. I, but, you know, guys like Cole Hudson, guys like uh, Zane Parekh and guys like that that are going to be picked in the top 10. If you're talking about some fours that are slipping, I feel like Chernyshov isn't one of the guys who's going to slip outside of the top 10. He's going to be one of the guys who's available in the top in, 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 yeah. in the kind of 10 to 20 range, which I would rather go for a guy like Berkeley Catton if he's available at 11, which I'd be very surprised if he is because he's a fantastic, fantastic player. Um, but time will tell. Yeah, I'd, I'd quite like for the Habs to not be going into the draft with an idea of the style of player that they want from yeah. their first round pick. I think that that's been my my, my biggest frustration with the drafting, like in like I, purely the drafting rather than, than the communication aspect of it, uh, has been that like it's like oh we need big horse or we need right shot defenseman right like we need mm-hmm. size we need these things from these draft picks rather than thinking what can these draft picks get us? And I think mm-hmm. having an open mind with that is really important. So if there's a guy like Cole Hudson available at 11, and uh, just a little preview, Cole Hudson isn't just Lane Hudson's brother. Cole Hudson is more dynamic than Lane Hudson and a borderline elite skater. Uh, but the defense is a lot worse. Yeah, so he's horrible. really fun. He's really, really fun. I, I love chaos. <laughs> so I, I adore Cole Hudson. Uh, and, but if we're talking most exciting 2024 eligibles, Demidov is alone at the top. 
but I think Cole Hudson's definitely in contention for that second or third ranking on that on that list. So if he's available at 11th overall, and look, the Habs have already shown their desire to draft brothers. So hey, <laughs> I think this is a good this this would be a perhaps a, a better value swing on a brother of a current Hab. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. So I do want to thank you guys. This has been an amazing conversation. I've learned a lot. I do hope our listeners also learn a lot because I honestly, as you all know, prospects are not my strong suit. So uh, I'm really, really grateful to you both for your time. Thank you so, so much for joining me and providing all of this insight. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having us. Once again, I would like to thank Hadi Kalakesh and Sebastian High of Dauber Prospects, as well as Locked On NHL. And Hadi's work is also on Habs as on the Prize. Don't forget. I want to thank them for their time. We had a longer conversation than we intended, but there was so much more information that I expected and that I even could hope for. Uh, so I really hope you learned a lot from the, these episodes because I certainly did. Uh, in the meantime, if you'd like to find them on Twitter, they are at HadiK underscore scouting and hi underscore Sebastian. If you would like to find our podcast on Twitter, we're at LO underscore Canadians. We are also free and available wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on YouTube. Please subscribe. Uh, please tell your friends about us. If you like us, if you want people to find us, give us good ratings on Apple. Um, and, you know, make sure that you stay tuned in. We are going to get a Threads uh, account for Locked On Canadians very soon as well. Uh, and you can always email us at lockedoncanadians at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we will be back on Monday. <laughs>